talk a little bit about hands, let's talk about legs. It, we, the body, we spoke about the body, the three different spheres in the body, the three different realms. Yes, yes. The body is divided up into three parts. The head, the torso, and the legs. Each one has got a different both practical application and a difficult, different symbolic connotation. The head is both practically the seat of thought, of understanding, and that's where a person gains his access to spirituality. It's that which is above and beyond. Through the head you can reach into the higher realms. The body is your place of engagement with the world that's in front of you. Um, expressed with primarily the means of interaction with the world, which are your hands. Your hands allow you to move from theory to practice. Saposnik, Eitan, having their minds a tune they'd like to play. Without hands, they can't do anything with it. They need some, they need fingers to strum the strings and to plonk the keys on the piano keyboard. When I say plonk, I'm using the word very loosely. Of course, their hands gracefully gliding over the ebony ivory is a completely different experience to mine, plonking along. So through your hands, your hands, your hands are what allow you to come into this world. A person's deeds are called his handiwork. If a person wouldn't have hands, he'd be severely um, restricted in what he could actually do. Your hands is how you translate the theory into practice, and your hands essentially come into the world at this point. They, they, they are located at the top part of your body, most close to your heart, which is the representation, both symbolically and practically, in terms of the essence of the major organ in a person's body. It also describes the seat in a metaphorical sense of my ultimate experience. I feel it in my heart, meaning I feel it in my realist point. When I say from a, heart, a perspective of a heart, I mean I'm experiencing it on a real level. So my hands essentially are an extension of this part of my body. Beneath my body, I have my transport system. My transport system are called my legs. My legs aren't, mo they don't express me. My hands, even in terms of my hand movements when I speak, give form to my ideas and my verbal description. My feet don't do so. When I want to make a point, I don't go, and therefore, you see, that would be, it would, be a, it would look a little bit like the silly walk competition. So I want you to make one more point. One more point. One more point. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It seems it does. No, it seems really, really strange. It seems strange. I, I know. I know you think I'm strange. Don't worry. This is one of the least strange things I've done. And as a result of that, when a person looks at his body, you can actually develop. You can bra break it down into three different symbolic spheres. There's that which is above and beyond in the intellectual realm. There's that which is in the practical realm, and that which is below the practical realm. It just it just helps you directs you, gives you direction. Now in terms of location as well, if you, can't, if you consider the, the center of the body, the heart, the limb the most far away from the heart are the feet, specifically the soles of the feet. In another symbolic connotation, the skin, which is the thickest and the deadest of all skin in the human body is located the soles of your feet, which also symbolically is a point where a person actually connects to the ground. In other words, the lowest part of a person are his feet, and the lowest part of the foot is the sole of the foot, the heel, the ball of the foot. 
So you've got this. You've got fr- from a, on a, from in a symbolic way, you've got every 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 part of the body has a connotation. How you use it has a connotation. We described briefly about hands. Hands are the only limb which regularly span all three spheres, both in terms of movement, but taking it across symbolically. The hands can impact a person in one of three ways. You can take your hands and you can elevate them, as we say in the Brok Al Natilas Yadaim, which means it's a description of purpose. I take my actions and I translate them into deed in the highest and loftiest way. I don't know if any of you. Um, excuse me, see if I can do anything about it. Um, Please. Sorry. Can you just stop that? Sapoznik. Sapoznik says. No. And you think it stops? Sapoznik. Sapoznik has ordered you to stop. <laughs> so the hands regu- <coughs> on a regular, on a, on, a, on, a, on a constant basis span all three realms, both physically and also metaphorically. In other words, a person can bring himself into the world for a lofty purpose. He can do things which are above and elevated or transcendent. He can do things which are simply parav. He's engaging in the world for the world's sake. And he can do things which are which are lowly. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not in the realm, they, they, they descend into the world of unwanted desire. And that's why when, I don't know if we've discussed at all the strange Gemara in Sota, which describes, um, makes an analogy between a person that eats bread without washing his hands to a person that visits a prostitute. Yes. We are discussing it. It's very relevant to the Rashi, right? You see how we're getting there. Because Rashi says a person's created by demus diyuknoi. You're created in the, in the image of your creator. So now we're discussing, first of all, what are the symbolic connotations of the different body parts before we can even begin to understand what the Rashi is talking about. So now, the Gemayin Soita says a strange thing. It says that a person, and one would never, it's very counterintuitive, that you think that if you wash, you wash your hands, uh, if you, sorry, if you eat bread without washing your hands, so it's if you visited a prostitute, I mean, it seems like. Okay, maybe uh, okay. I don't know. So you didn't pay for the problem. Related. <laughs> 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 the concept related. At this point, n- uh, eating without a broch is compared to theft. This is eating without washing your hands. So why is it that that analogy is made? And it, it, the assumption is it's an accurate analogy. It's not just happens to be that this is a bad act and that's a bad act, and therefore we just somehow put two bad acts together. Rather, the essence of eating without washing your hands, in its essence, it's the same thing as going to a prostitute. So let's take a brief segue to understand what the notion of going to a prostitute is all about, or what the nature of, of procreation implies, and what that act represents. In every act, there is the means whereby the act is performed, and the reason for which it's performed. There's the the act itself and then the purpose behind what you're doing. If you look at the act of procreation, you can divide it up into two components. The first component is the reason for the act. The reason for the act is to bring new life into the world. That's what the act does. The act is an act of procreation in order to take life and introduce it into the world. That's the goal behind the act. The goal behind the act is to bring new life into the world. The means 
whereby that act is performed has a particular quality attached to it. That quality is physical pleasure. But the goal of the act is to introduce new life into the world. The way whereby you do it is through an act which is a pleasurable activity. So one has to be able to differentiate between the goal and the actual performance. The performance is not the goal. That's the way you get to somewhere else. Now, what can happen often in life is we can use, we can take an act which has a purpose and dislocate the means from the end and in doing so transform what was really just a means to get somewhere else into the end itself. So what we do is that when we do that we actually destroy the essence of the act. The purpose is always what gives the act value, that's what gives it meaning, that's what gives it import. The means is just a way to get there. When you take the way to get there and you make it for a purpose in its own right, you've essentially distorted and perverted the act into something which is not what it is. The idea of eating the idea of eating has two components to it. There's the goal whereby a person eats, for which a person eats, and there's the process which he engages in in order to produce the goal. The goal whereby a person eats, the, 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 the purpose behind eating is to bring new life into the world. Whose who's, who's life comes into the world when I eat? <laughs> My own life. It's a tr- you, they did an experiment and they didn't feed people for, for days and they died. The experiment which has been done over the course of history many, many times. It's, it's, it's tried and tested. When people don't eat, they die. Because what makes you live is food. So when a person eats, what you're doing is you're bringing new life, you're creating new life. Now, the purpose of eating is to create new life. But again, it's divided into two parts. There's the act that brings about the purpose. The act is a pleasurable activity that is involved when a person puts food in his mouth. There's a pleasure attached to that act. What people can do is they can dislocate the means from the end. And they can eat, not to produce new life. For example, they're not hungry and they eat anyway. What's happening then is, you're dislocating the purpose for eating from the act of eating, and you're saying, the act is the purpose. Because if the act was to create new life, my life force is perfect, I'm not hungry, I have enough fuel to go on. And if you then go and you dislocate that, so what you've done is you've fallen into the trap of cutting off the periphery, the skin from the essence. The peel from the fruit. And you've taken the peel and you're saying, aha, this is a fruit. There are two words which describe both the process of marriage and the process and the source for which we wash our hands. The process of marriage is referred to as kiddushin and the verse from which the obligation to wash our hands is learned from is from a verse which says, v'hiskadishtem and you should be kadosh. The word kadosh always means transcendent like kiddush any kiddushin means transcendent transcendent means even though it's a fancy new age word what it means is that what i'm doing is not for the act itself it's for something beyond the act that means it transcends it goes above and beyond i'm not doing this for the physical manifestation i'm doing it for a purpose which transcends i'm doing it for something beyond the here and now my intention is to go beyond this moment in time and therefore, both in Kiddushin and in 
washing your hands, there's an overlap. Kiddushin means as follows. Kiddushin means when a person connects to a woman in order to create new life. It has a purpose. The reason why you're engaging with this woman is you realize that as a combination of the two of you becoming two disparate parts, forming a single whole, you can produce something that as individuals you could never produce. The whole essence of marriage is to, through a person harmoniously combining with a person very different from himself, and those two functioning together as a single organism, they can bring into the world something which couldn't have been brought into the world without that cooperation. So marriage is the forming of a single unit by combining two disparate parts and the goal is to bring into the world something new, something light that wouldn't have been there without their combination. They couldn't have produced a child by themselves in the physical sense, in the metaphorical sense. The two parts of the, cu of the couple combined to, through their cooperation with one another, bring into the world something that as individuals they cannot. When they interact with other people, He'll say something, she'll say something else. They'll be very different. They'll balance each other out. And as a result, the person who's the recipient will get something that he couldn't got from either of them individually. Whenever you're in marriage, the point is, the marriage is not the purpose. The marriage is the means to an end. When a person is Makadesh and Isha, he says the following thing. He says, through this relationship, we're going to transcend the physicality of it because we're doing something for which is beyond ourselves. That's what Kiddushin is. It's not for this, it's for something which extends BEYOND this. Hence, the expression of declaring a man's connection to a woman in the proper context of Chuppah Kiddushin is Kiddushin. Hayat Mukudesh Esli. Hayat Mukudesh Esli. In the notion of Maim Rishonim, when you wash your hands before you eat, it's also from the verse Viz Kadeshtem, because you're doing the same thing. You can eat in one of two ways. You can eat to get the food down your gullet, or you can eat that you realize that the purpose of eating isn't for the eating itself, it's to transcend the eating for something beyond. It's to produce life and the life in, just like the procreation is producing a life, obviously, in the ideal sense, which is another revelation of the uniqueness of the creating the world. So too, through the life was given to me, I'm going to bring into the world my life in that context. So actually, when one thinks about it in a metaphorical sense, Eitan, Washing your hands before eating is being Mekadesh the Isha. It's a declaration of purpose that the reason why I'm engaging in this physical act is not for the is physical act in its own right. It's for the, that which goes beyond the physical act, the goal of the physical act. And hence it makes perfect sense that a person who eats without washing means that he engages in the act of physical eating not for any exterior motive. But he just wants to taste the food in his gullet. So that's the same as going to a prostitute. Visiting a prostitute means you have no, co you have no co concept of procreation. On the contrary, procreation will defeat the purpose. It's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to dislocate the act from what it's meant to do. It's the opposite. It's, it's the anti-transcendent. It is here making this act go beyond this act. It only becomes this act. This is all. The means becomes the purpose in its own right. Eating for the sake of eating 
is the same as going to visit a prostitute. And hence the analogy is correct that when we say you wash your hands, the bracha washing your hands isn't al-rechitzas your daim, I'm washing your hands, it's on al-natlis your daim. Because what you're saying is, with my hands, I'm now about to act, in, I'm about to engage in a holy endeavor. I'm about to act in an endeavor which is one of the highest and loftiest points of a person's life. You're going and you're able to, through this act that you're about to perform, bring new life into the world. You have to do so with care and caution. And you have to do so with a function and a purpose and a direction. And hence, you take water, which is symbolic of purity and rebirth, like the fetus exists in amniotic fluid, and you submerge your hands in water, and then you lift them up, and you say, I don't want my hands to say even in the earthly realm. I want them to extend to the realm of purpose, of understanding, of comprehension. And I lift up my hands and say, I'll notice dime, whereby when I engage in the process of eating, it won't be an animalistic act of selfish indulgence, rather it will be an act whereby I transcend my purpose. When a person once looked at Rebuchim Levovich eating, they said it looked like he was feeding someone else. He was feeding his goof. He was feeding his body. It was a holy act that he realized that he needs a vehicle to perform and therefore he did so. But there wasn't that sense of being absorbed in the act for its own right. And therefore when we speak about hands, hands are crucial in bringing ourselves into reality in the deeper sense. Now let's field a few kashas. Yoshua. <coughs> I thought the definition of Kedusha was... Wrong separation. Right. Separation doesn't mean separation to... Separation can, is, is, a, is a concept which can be applied arbitrarily across a variety of different fields. It means separation for a higher purpose, which is called transcendence. It's not just separation. Okay, there is a kash on this. There is a kash on this. I agree with you. Um, there is a kasha on this, but generally, you're right, there is another connotation of the word which is designation. But almost in all of its uses, it has a designation to a purpose beyond. Hektesh. Right. Yes, Zach, what did you want to say? Um, when you eat for like something like Anak Shabbos, yes. So that's interesting. Oinek Shabbos, it means that having in mind the, the pleasure itself becomes transcendent. In other words, you're not only eating to generate new life. There, there's an Indian that even if the food, the food has to taste good, because that gives you a different concept of Me'en Olam Haba. So there you're using the pleasurable aspect to enhance your vision of what purpose means in life. So it's an interesting... So if you didn't fast for that, you didn't what? Wash. If you didn't wash for eating on Shabbos, so then, okay, let's. Was the good? <laughs> okay, good. Good, Ariel, you're following. Okay, so now we've spoken. Yes. Sorry. Um. So just that. Just as eating the food, the byproduct is it being pleasurable, and that's a comparable act of you want to procreate, and it just happens to feel good as well. It's just. Of course, there's a deeper link. In other words, whenever a person borders on something, which is the creation of new life, inevitably the experience has to be pleasurable. Because the HaKadosh Baruch Hu is toiv, and anything in Torah is pleasant. And the closer you are to the source, the greater the good is all-encompassing. So whenever a person, whenever person procreates, for example, he touches on the Shekhinah. 
because there are three partners to the creation of a child husband wife and Hashem so that act is the holiest act which is a Shekinah has to come and plant the Neshama in the newborn child so of course it's going to be it's going to have to have almost logically it's imperative that it has to have some pleasurable content and that pleasure, that pleasurable act, when done in the in the right setting, people sh- that pleasurable act should be enjoyed as much as possible because right. And we'll explore this further when you become a chassan. Yeah. And we'll go into the details. But right now, we'll just leave it very open, as it is appropriate. But please, God, when the time the comes, we will have a private so discussion in regard to the need. Cutting details. off an Do they really talk about that? Cutting off an mm-hmm. object from um, its Purpose. It seems like you are cutting off an, off an, event, an action from a shoulder. That doesn't mean like it doesn't seem like it's always a negative thing, because like there's times when we do things for the, for pleasure, which is its own benefit. Its own so it would mean that you're talking about Oynik Shabbos eating. Not just Oynik Shabbos. Oynik Shabbos is a great example. Okay, so let's like we have like a great example. Let's deal with it. It comes out that that in Oynik Shabbos there's different dimensions to the eating. The one dimension of the eating is to to sustain your body, but on top of that there's a separate dimension that the purpose is not to enjoy the food. The purpose is to connect to our Kodesh Bochu, and the pleasure of the food in your mouth can do that as well. But we have to explore that further. How I, at this point in time we want to speak more about hands than we do want to speak about eating. That was just an aside to point out, Levy, the importance of hands and their function. We really even don't want to speak about hands today, we want to speak about legs. Mm-hmm. Correct? It's good, it's like, it's like a double deviant we come back to hands. Come back to hands, like but Lemais, let's talk about legs. So legs are your transport system. We said that in terms of the location, the location, your legs are the things which are the furthest way the furthest thing, furthest thing far from your, for your, from essence. The interesting um, linguistic connection between the word regal. Regal has a has a, a variety of different connotations in Torah. Um, sometimes it means cause. Cause. The word regal can mean cause, and other times it means hergel. It means hergo. Uh, means hergo. It means hergo. So when you spoke of, speak about uh, legs, you're speaking about the things that, that, that transport you, that they move you, but they also have a connotation which is the Hebrew word hergo. Hergo means habit. As opposed to your hands, which are an ex- assistance to your expression of your speech, or when you're actually engaging in some type of physical task, you need to have a cognitive involvement. Your mind has to, you have to be thinking about what you're doing. It's much harder to be unthinking when you move your hands than it is to be unthinking when you move your feet. Uh, feet. On the contrary, when generally a person does, doesn't think about the way they walk, and if you have to think about the way you walk, you'll probably trip. When people suffer uh, debilitating diseases or they're in bed for three or four weeks and they have to learn how to walk again, it's a grueling process. Because it's not so simple that you, if you see ch- children learning how to walk, it's pretty hard. But once you're up and running, excuse the pun, or up and walking, you have to you don't think at all about what you, your, your walking happens automatically mm-hmm. okay now that, that, that's why the Hebrew word habit comes from the word regal hergel because a habit is an unthinking action the nature of life is such ragil means you always do it correct again another example ani ragil asot it says the same thing I do it the whole time it's a repetitive action it's a repetitive action which doesn't involve thought 
the nature of life is the nature of life is that the more chidush there is in life the more alive you are the more newness there is in life the more you feel that's the barometer to measure the quality of your life the more life is a repeat more of the same the less li- alive you are the more dead you are until the ultimate repetitive state of non-action is death itself but there's, le- there's, level, there's levels there's levels there. and the whole godless in Chazorah when you do Chazorah it's to find the Chidush in the old which is a much harder a much harder thing in other words Hergel Regel when you do things you, certain things in your life you have to do again and again and again but if every time you do them there's no newness in doing them again there's a lacking in what you're doing it's called Mitzvah Anoshim Bulamada it's not good it's not good so the idea of repetitive action unthinking action because when a person can't you can't find Chidush you can't find newness without plumbing the depths newness always exists in a in a deeper sense in the deep in the depths in the, and underneath the surface you can't find chidush in a repeated action if you don't think into it so in order to stop things from becoming habitual you have to think what you're doing your legs are the antithesis of that because they're an embodiment of an action which requires no thought, both in terms of the actual movement, but you'll find in terms of the paths that you walk. What happens is we get used to doing things, specifically with our legs. Our legs almost carry us to where we need to go. We don't think about which path we should take. What happens is when we go to a new place and we're going to be walking um, from one place to another on a regular basis, we establish a path and then we just repeat that day after day, day after day, day after day. That repetitive action is the first signs of the death of the soul. In a very nice and non-dramatic <coughs> fashion. When a person repeats himself time and time again, he does things time and time again. So that repetition is the destruction of self. When a person when a person when a person oh, just does <laughs> does something. For example, if a person wants to become a good musician and he wants to no, practice I'm sorry. Judaism I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But Judaism yeah. is, 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 is based <laughs> completely around repetition. But the Hiddish in repetition, right? Yeah. Three times, praying three times a day, getting up, ah. seeing what day I need. So you answered, you answered, you answered your question in the midst. I was going to build it up, but you answered it. Oh, I'm sorry. It. No, no, I didn't mean to answer it's a verse. question. I wasn't no, it's a verse. It's a verse. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Judaism verse. I wasn't trying to come to the There's answer. There's questions verse. to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> right, so what do you say? You said that you mustn't repeat it. That it and I'm wondering if you do the same thing again and again and again it's the death of you. it is the death of you so if you do the same thing again and again again and again so I'm trying what I'm trying to say if you're saying the same thing again and again and again that's bad in other words to repeat things to reiterate them to go over them time and time again is a bad thing or to express it in a slightly different fashion <laughs> And these words, this is a quote from the Shema, uh, that I've commanded you today, they should be today. So in the expurgated version of the Chumash, we can cross out the Dayoim. It's no longer relevant. So he didn't command me to do it today. Says Rashi. Says Rashi in Chumash 
אשר נוכי מצב חיים לא יהיו בעיניך כדיוטוגמה ישנה It shouldn't be like a diotagma, it's a hard word to say, an old instruction. Shein Adam Seifna, that you can't be bothered to do it. Elek Chadosha, Shakol Rotsim Nikrosa, rather like a new announcement that everyone runs towards. Oh, diotagma says, is Mitzvah Samelech Abarabach Mikhtav. There's a new, there's a new, there's a new um, decoration that the king has made so when people are interested because they've never heard it before they run towards it so Rashi says that's the notion of mitzvahs that even though you're doing repeating them it should not be that you've ever said the same Shema twice every single day it's a different Shema things like breath breathing breathing Every breath, every breath is every a new world. Every breath is all repetition. Well, you have to be conscious of your breath. In other words, one of the most, one of the easiest ways to control yourself and to find kiddush in the world is by controlling your breath, not to breathe by rote. Wow. So Okay. So no, not not breathing is problematic. <laughs> so listen until you pass out, then it's okay. The whole aspect of walking the path, which is, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm just trying to understand. I'm not trying to answer. Good um, <laughs> Hashem. <laughs> I learned my lesson. You do. Um, the whole aspect of like you know walking the path that you're used to walking is really in and it's an allegory to you know saying Modani in the morning or anything that you're going to do again. Anything again. that's done by rote means you're doing it with your regal. Right. You're doing it with a part of yourself which is the most distance from your essence. It's just like you walk through the davening, you walk through tefillin, you walk through tzitzis, you walk through everything. When you're walking through the mitzvahs, so then there's no life to them. They're dead. They're lifeless. Bodiless. Soulless. Just. Plain. Boring. Can we do the piece? Isn't the boy on prayer? Oh, no.